Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. The Communist Party of China is trying to reform its bad public image with a new publicity campaign and a new slogan, with you along the way. Plus, we continue our discussion about communism with foreign policy expert Bob Adelman. How is it different than socialism and what's coming to America? Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. I'm Dr. Chaps. You're watching PIJN News. Yesterday, we discussed the possibility of communism rising in America through the socialist parties of some members of the Democrat Party, and in particular, the new mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio. But today, we're gonna to discuss a broader theme of the philosophy behind communism, its political history. And in a moment, we'll talk again with Bob Edelman, journalist for The New American and longtime member of the John Birch Society. But first, I wanna present both sides, beginning with a short video produced by the Chinese government promoting the Communist Party with their new slogan, With You Along the Way. Let's watch a short clip. The Communist Party of China is with you along the way. You see how gentle that communist policy appears? Uh, you know, 80 million people in China control 1.2 billion of the workers there, but what has been the death toll of communism throughout history? Just Google Great Leap Forward and you'll discover that 65 million have been killed by communist policies, not just by guns, but by starvation along with 29 million in the Soviet Union, 2 million in Cambodia, North Korea, Africa, Afghanistan, Eastern Europe, Vietnam, Latin America. Communism kills people. We're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, Bob Edelman will explain why. Fighting the culture war between church and state, Dr. Chaps will be right back. Do you care about defending religious liberty? I know you do. And that's why I'm asking you to take action today. Don't just sit there, but do something. Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org and sign a petition that we will fax to Congress on your behalf. In fact, there are three specific petitions I want you to sign to defend military chaplains who are under fire. The first is to support H.R. 343. This is a bill introduced in Congress by my friend, Congressman Walter Jones of North Carolina, to protect free speech for military chaplains who are sometimes punished if they use the word Jesus in their prayers. Well, if you know my story, you know that I was punished in 2006, uh, even at court martial, because I used the word Jesus in my prayers in uniform in front of the White House. Well, I was later vindicated by Congress who said it's okay for me to do that. But did you know 65 other chaplains are now suing the Navy? I was not the only person. Our second petition I want you to sign is to protect military chapel buildings, which are being desecrated. Christian altars, Catholic or Protestant, are being desecrated by homosexual wedding ceremonies in all 50 states under this order by the Obama administration. Well, that deprives all of our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines of a sacred worship space, which ought to be protected. And instead, they're gonna punish the chaplain if he won't turn over the keys to his chapel. Here's another petition I want you to sign, and this is to stop threatening court-martial for troops who talk about Jesus. Even recently, the Pentagon is saying, oh, we're gonna threaten you with a crime of proselytizing. No, that's not right. Any soldier 
ought to be able to talk about his or her faith in Jesus Christ and to have that same religious freedom of speech that we sacrifice to give for others. When you sign these petitions, we will fax them to Congress and it's free. I want you to take action today. Sign these three important petitions at PrayInJesusName.org. Go there today. Empowering you, the grassroots activist. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back and thank you for watching PIJN News. I'm Dr. Chaps. You know, as an Air Force Academy graduate, political science, I studied the differences in types of government. For example, uh, we live in a democratic republic. But in the 1980s, when I joined the military under President Ronald Reagan, we were fighting the Cold War against communism, which was you know, a four decade struggle. One of the leaders in, in the ideological movement against communism has been historically the John Birch Society. I have a member of that here, Bob Edelman. You are an expert in all things uh, government and capitalism. In fact, you're a journalist for thenewamerican.com. And tell me a little bit about your perspective. It, is this, you know, the Cold War ended in 1989 or 1991. Do you think that's all over or is there still a battle against this idea philosophically of communism in the world today? Thanks, chaps, for having me aboard. The answer is the victory over communism is false. We're not fighting a bricks and mortar battle. We're fighting an ideological one. And the best place to start is with defining terms. Some of the English language is very helpful. For example, what is the word that comes to mind to describe no government? Uh, anarchy. Precisely. And that's a good word. Hasn't been attacked by the left and hasn't been morphed into something more acceptable. Anna means without, none. And so it means zero government. At the other end of the political spectrum would be 100% government. Uh, give me a word that comes to mind for 100% government. Totalitarianism. Yes, and? Uh, I don't know. Communism. Oh, interesting. And socialism. Now, wait a minute. I thought there's a difference between communism and, and socialism. Nazism. I really want to stir oh, the pot here. Fascism. Yeah, well, these are different and forms of... totalitarianism. Right. Now, the differences are minor. A fascism is what we have in the United States. It's private property controlled by government. <clears throat> so individuals feel like they own their own business, they own their own futures, they can save for their retirement, provided they follow all the rules. And if they don't, there's a man with a gun and a badge at the front door. He has IRS written on him. Or he has SEC written on him. That's fascism. Nazism, under Germany in the uh, Second World War, is the government will outright own the major pieces of the capital system. Capital is what? The means of production. It's completely neutral. So when big government colludes with big corporations and they rule over the people, then the people don't have the freedom like you saw in Nazi Germany. Sure. Fascism is just a light, is Nazism light. Communism is the Big Mac Daddy. That is, they own everything. If it exists from the soles of your shoes to the follicles of your hair and mine, I see we go to the same barber. Yes, we do. The government owns everything, <clears throat> controls everything. That's the Big Mac Daddy, but they are all 100% government. 
And so if we have anarchy on one side and we have total on the other, where does the United States fit in? You said democratic republic or a republican democracy. Where is that? Well, hopefully it's more toward personal liberty. And you know, I think our founding fathers fought against, obviously Ronald Reagan fought for a capitalist free market system where people can make their own decisions about what kind of jobs they want to have, what kind of businesses they want to run. And what guarantees that freedom? Well, I would hope it'd be the Constitution of the United States. So the Constitution creates something that's sort of in the middle. Is that, I don't want to put words in well, your mouth. Well, it's not it's, anarchy, it's, it's not that yeah, far. It's left unsanitary left. if I do that. But. Right, no, no, I, I trust you, I'm, I'm with you, go ahead. <laughs> so what the Constitution is, is an attempt to rein in government which wants to become total and without restraints, it will inevitably, uh, more smarter people than I have said, the inevitable tendency of freedom is to shrink and government to increase. And the Constitution was put in place to keep that from happening. And for nearly 200 years, it worked pretty well. But that is the point, that's where we start. And so if we have the word communism or socialism or Nazism, then we ought to say, okay, we're talking about total government. When we talk about a republic, or a democratic republic, or a republican democracy, those are words simply to describe limited government. Now, of course, libertarians go nuts saying, well, I'd like to have it totally limited. And so the new word that's coming in to take the place of anarchy often is libertarianism. But I don't know that that's particularly instructive in our conversation right now. Okay. The main thing is between total and none is something in the middle, and that's where we are or originally were. That is fascinating. So uh, I remember, and in, in, you know, the mainstream media won't even use the C word anymore. It's become such an anathema for anyone to say, oh, that guy is advocating for communism. They'll turn off the TV cameras rather than air that word or that accusation. Uh, but I'm just trying to remember back to my Cold War days, I was in SAC, I was a missile officer, uh, and we won the Cold War, but Khrushchev, Nikita Khrushchev once said, oh, don't worry America, sometime you will become communist too. We'll give you doses after doses of socialism, and one day you'll wake up with communism and you'll fall like ripe fruit into our hands. That's a great quote, Norman Thomas a socialist president, a candidate for president, ran and ran and ran without ever getting very much of a response. Finally gave up running, and the reason he said, he says all the objectives that I had as a socialist have already been accomplished, no reason for me to run. So is there a difference philosophically between socialism and communism, or does one lead to the other, or are they both the same thing? Essentially, they're both the same. Now, if you wanna really pick and be nitpicking about the matter, Communism is the Big Mac Daddy. They own everything. Fascism owns nothing but controls everything. And so we can say that fascism is a step toward communism and that it's, it helps to fool the people who think they still own private property, have the right to inherit and pass on and save and ownership and all of that. But fascism is simply a, a veiled, um, what shall I say, fake, false, gauzy, communism. We're gonna take a short break and when we come back, we're gonna have a scripture from the book of Acts. And I think the Republicans maybe have been losing this debate on 
who's more compassionate? Maybe the, the Democrats say they're more compassionate because they care about the poor. And what does the Bible have to say about that? Let's take a short break. When we come back, I'm gonna get Bob's reaction to uh, what the Bible says about capitalism. Discerning the spirits that rule our politicians, Dr. Chaps will be right back. Introducing FactsCongress.com. Do you care about politics, defending pro-life causes, traditional marriage, and religious freedom? At FactsCongress.com, you can create any petition to Congress, and we will convert your e-petition instantly to a real fax paper on your congressman's desk. And the best part? It's free. Once your voice heard by multiple congressmen at FactsCongress.com, we can blast your petition to all 535 congressmen and senators instantly. And you don't even need a fax machine. Not only do we deliver your petitions instantly, but with our dashboard feature, you can quickly recruit friends on Facebook and Twitter to co-sign your petition. Do you care about a particular cause? You can build a virtual army of supporters at FactsCongress.com. Do you lead a church, faith-based organization, or PAC? We can even help you do fundraising. It's free. Just visit FactsCongress.com and try it out. Make a difference. Sign any petition today at FactsCongress.com. FactsCongress.com. Can I take a moment to ask you to donate today? There are such important battles that we're fighting and winning around the country to defend religious liberty. How much is the right to pray in Jesus' name worth to you? Well, to me, it was worth a 16-year career and a million-dollar pension, which I sacrificed to defend Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to call us today, toll-free at 866-Obey-God, and make a donation. How much would you pay to defend religious liberty? Would you give $10 or $20 or $100? I bet there's some people who are watching who can even give $1,000 today just to help us stay on the air, to broadcast this into people's homes, to organize these petition drives, and especially, we spend thousands of dollars organizing rallies around the country and petitioning legislators. Please call us today at 866-Obey-God and give the best pledge that you can give to defend religious liberty and take a stand for Jesus Christ. We can't do it without you. Please donate today. Stay tuned for the end of our show to learn how to partner with this ministry. Here's Dr. Chaps. Back and thank you so much for watching PAJN News. I'm Dr. Chaps. Today we're talking without naming any names. We're not gonna accuse President Obama of anything, right? Uh, but we're talking in general terms about types of government and the differences between communism and socialism. Now there was an example in the Bible, in the book of Acts chapter four, and I wanna read to you a scripture here uh, that talks about the idea of communal property. It says here in Acts chapter four, there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and they laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. And so in the scriptures, we see this idea of voluntary community generosity where we take care of orphans, we take care of widows, and the church should give to the poor. Jesus said we should be generous people. So my question is, uh, are the Democrats more persuasive when they promote socialism as some kind of charity. Oh, we care more about the poor. You Republicans only care about the rich. Where are we in, in that discussion? Well, in my opinion, the Democrats control the media. And so the message that they want to get out is exactly the message that you have stated. 
that they're the ones that are so sympathetic and the bleeding heart liberals and we want to take care of the poor. They never finish the conversation. They never tell the rest of the story. They don't have any money of their own. They don't, or they're not liquidating their own assets. Where does that money come from? Where does the government get any money that they have they, taken by force from someone else? They tax the, the rich people and to try so, and give other people's money to the so poor. So they're hurting some people in order to help others. And they're taking a commission in the process. That's what you're saying in Acts. I agree with 100%. An individual is free to do with his money what he wishes. And he may decide to sell his lands and his property and give it to the apostles, trusting them to find out who the needy really are. And that's fine. That's called charity. But that's but voluntary. The, but the moment you have a guy with a gun that says, thou shalt give, what is that called? Theft. Thank you. Yes. That's not in the scriptures. So socialism is not the same as what they did in the Bible. Socialism is theft. When the government forces you at gunpoint and takes away your property to give it to somebody else in order to get a vote. There it is, you just stated it. And so that's the dirty little secret of the Democrats. They control the media so that only the first half of the conversation's ever held. And we want to be uh, taking care of the poor. The, where I have a problem is where you want to take care of the poor with my money. <laughs> well, I promise not to do that. I've stated uh, publicly that I think there are three ways to take care of poor people. One is you can have the churches do it with charity. You can give money to the poor and that's very kind and we do that on this show. We take care of orphans and widows with generous donations from our own money and from people who give. Another way is with the government. You can have the government step in and start issuing welfare checks and take care of the poor people. But a third way, and I think historically, the best way and the most poor people have ever been taken care of is not by the churches or even the government, but by business owners. That small business owners take care of more poor people every day by giving them jobs, by putting them to work, by helping them raise an income so that you can put food on everybody's table. And if you don't like that approach, you should move to Cuba because the government takes care of all the poor people there by bankrupting all of the business owners and the average wage is $19 per month if you live in Cuba. Your thoughts? You reminded me of Mr. Stephen Jobs who caught a lot of flack during his lifetime and at the end of his life for not giving because he kept investing the money that he'd make back into Apple. The best article I ever saw, and I didn't write it, was titled, Stephen Jobs, I Gave at the Office. By simply creating more of a capital growth engine, he hired more people than he could ever have helped by liquidating his assets and giving to the poor. That is the beauty of the free enterprise system. You help a whole lot more people through voluntary investment than you do by theft and force and mandates, always. So capitalism is the most compassionate, the most generous way of taking care of the poor. I think the Republicans can win this argument and say actually the Democrat policies are cruel to the poor because they take away their jobs. The Democrat policies are cruel to the poor because 
not only did they steal from the rich, you know, Robin Hood was a thief after all, but they ultimately don't employ the poor and that it causes more, the Democrats are the party of cruelty, the Republicans may be the party of compassion because capitalism works and it is more compassionate toward poor people who need food on their table. I'd like to refine that just slightly, trying to help the people who are listening and watching. The attack isn't on the rich. The rich, by and large, I'm talking about the top 1%, all tied in with the Council on Foreign Relations and the Rockefeller Foundations and so on. They're doing just fine, thank you. The attack is on the middle class, and that is very deliberate. And that, by the way, is part of communist strategy. It comes right out of Lenin and Karl Marx. The resistance to total government, back to this political spectrum again, comes from the middle class who recognize that they have the most to lose if an, a political system goes to totalitarianism. And so they're the ones who are trying to be impoverished by those who would enslave us. So the small business owner, the guy who owns a restaurant, maybe he employs a dozen people, that's the middle class uh -huh. small business owner Precisely. that's being squeezed out. He's been told what to do and what he can't do, what he shouldn't do and should do, every, from the moment he opens the door in the morning. I remember personal experience. I owned an investment management company and I operated, it was a fascist system. It was then, it is now. Under the aegis of the Securities and Exchange Commission, I was a registered investment advisor, an RIA, under the SEC rules. I still remember the day. I had just stepped out of the shower about quarter of eight in the morning preparing to go to work and the phone rang. Lisa called, my office manager. Two, not just one, agents from the Securities and Exchange Commission came into my office without a warrant demanding to see every bit of every correspondence that I had with every one of my clients. I was forced, not required, to understand the difference between the having a warrant and simply having an edict. I put them into an empty office and for 30 days the two of them read every piece of correspondence that I had with every one of my clients. Doesn't that violate the Fourth Amendment right? Of course it does. You have a right against that fascism. The Fourth Amendment is treasured. Unreasonable searches and seizures, yeah. probable cause, issue a warrant. The SEC is outside of the Fourth Amendment. And I remember getting out of the shower and taking that call from Lisa and getting a cold. I didn't own my business. I owned it all right in paper, but they <clears throat> controlled it. Now, happily, it ended happily. It only cost me $10,000 to make them go away. And they hadn't been back since. But that's crony capitalism. That's the, okay, I've said enough. No, I mean, crony capitalism is this idea, again, when you have big corporations and big government colluding to oppress and drive stop free market enterprise, stop the small business owners from, from employing, uh, small business owners can employ many more people than big corporations can, I think. Uh, so it does end up with a two-tiered system and that's because of the socialist government, because of the fascist government, as you're saying. And ultimately that is a form of totalitarian communism mm -hmm. that okay. we're moving towards. All we're doing now, Japs, is talking about semantics. Right. 
I prefer the word totalitarianism, right, or a dictatorship. I, and then we get past all the, is it a communist system, is it a fascist, and who cares? It's government that has unleashed itself. It's gone beyond the bounds tied to the Constitution. And the solution is? Oh my, that's another radio show. <laughs> I wouldn't be here, chaps, if I weren't more positive now than I ever have been. I think the best thing for the freedom fight is the present occupant in the White House. He has awakened more sleeping souls in the middle of the middle class that their freedoms are in jeopardy. So President Obama has been good for America? How? By galvanizing people who were asleep and awakening, awakening them from their slumber. I have never seen so much interest in the freedom fight, and I've been in it for 50 years. Now, I wouldn't have voted for Obama, but knowing what I know now, I must say, I might have withdrawn the vote that I took for the other guy knowing that with the other guy, that middle class would still be asleep. So without President Obama, we wouldn't have the strength of the Tea Party movement, the strength of conservative capitalism, even, even the, the libertarian movement, which is rising, the Ron Paul movement. Uh, all of these are in reaction to the totalitarian oppressive government that we see because of the Obama administration. That's fine, but I don't like the word reaction. What they are doing is rediscovering freedom nice. that has been threatened. Reactionary sounds like the old style, old right Republicans. The left acts and the right reacts. That's like having a game plan that all we're gonna do is play defense the whole game, never offense. You're guaranteed to lose if all you do is play defense. I prefer to say rediscovery, re-energize, rejuvenate, restore. I like that. With that, we're gonna have to close, but I wanna leave you with this scripture from Luke chapter six, and the Bible does encourage us to be generous with our giving, so please visit PrayInJesusName.org. Again, PrayInJesusName.org, or call us toll free at 866-Obey-God. And the scripture says, Jesus encouraged in Luke chapter six, give and it will be given to you. They'll pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, for by the standard of measure that you give to others, God will give you back that same measure and blessing in return. God bless you in Jesus' name. We'll see you next time. Can I take a moment to ask you to donate today? There are such important battles that we're fighting and winning around the country to defend religious liberty. How much is the right to pray in Jesus' name worth to you? Well, to me, it was worth a 16-year career and a million-dollar pension, which I sacrificed to defend Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to call us today, toll-free at 866-Obey-God, and make a donation. How much would you pay to defend religious liberty? Would you give $10 or $20 or $100? I bet there's some people who are watching who can even give $1,000 today just to help us stay on the air, to broadcast this into people's homes, to organize these petition drives, and especially, we spend thousands of dollars organizing rallies around the country and petitioning legislators. Please call us today at 866-Obey-God and give the best pledge that you can give to defend religious liberty and take a stand for Jesus Christ. We can't do it without you. Please donate today. 
Chaplain Klingenschmidt is a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy who earned his Ph.D. in theology from Regent University. As a former Navy chaplain, by taking a public stand for freedom of speech and religious expression, and by sacrificing his own 16-year career and million-dollar pension, he was vindicated by the U.S. Congress, who changed the law and restored freedom for military chaplains to pray in Jesus' name. Dr. Chaps not only defended the Constitution, but his petitions have helped change the law in 10 states, restoring freedom to pray in Jesus' name. Dr. Chaps needs your financial support to stay on the air. Would you please send your best donation today? Please visit PrayInJesusName.org to donate online. Or you can mail a check to Pray In Jesus Name Ministries, Post Office Box 77077, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80970. You can also call us toll free right now at 866-Obey-God. That's 866-O-B-E-Y-G-O-D. Please sign up for our free emails at PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org.